you're nourishing your body, you are nourishing it so that it's able to do all of those things you want to do. Because if your mind's distracted, your body's distracted too. Don't trust in other people to constantly tell you what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating. Because the trends change all the time. Welcome to the Boss Bay Podcast, a place where we share with you the real behind the scenes of building successful businesses, achieving peak performance, and learning how to balance it all. Hey, it's Danielle, and your host for today's episode. And I am so excited to have my good friend, Radhi Devlukia Shetty, on the show. And this girl, let me tell you, is amazing. And I'm just going to say it now she is literally one of my favorite people to follow on the gram because she really just isn't afraid to being herself. And along with sharing so many, amazing plant-based recipes to anything to do with Ayurvedic and wellness. Raddy literally shows up just the ray of sunshine that she is and spreads positivity in the world. So my message to you, if you haven't already, you definitely want to follow her. And if you are listening to this podcast, it's likely that like me, you are on a mission to be your best self. That's what most of us boss babes are here to do, right? And rather than talking about business tips in this episode, I actually really got to pick Raddy's brain on Ayurvedic principles. She is trained as a dietitian and a nutritionist and then went take on her Ayurvedic exams and she really just started it was something I didn't know much about and she started breaking down those principles for me and we discussed ways during this time particularly as we're still in this pandemic we spoke about natural healing and how you can actually make very small changes to your rituals that promote wellness so this is an amazing podcast if you are like me on that mission to be your best self want to learn a little bit more how to take care of yourself so that ultimately you can perform in your personal life and your professional life better so without further ado let's dive in Okay, I want to quickly interrupt this episode because I've got some really exciting news that I want to share. So if you haven't yet heard, Online Launch School is now open for enrollment. This is one of the most exciting courses we've ever created and it's been in the works since November 2019. Let me tell you, this course has the ability to significantly impact and supercharge your business and your life. Here at Boss Babe, we know a thing or two about launches and let me give you some insider info. So our last launch was actually our biggest launch yet and it was actually the least stressful time for me and the entire team. This is such a big reason we decided to create online launch school. We know that we've unlocked such an amazing formula to make our launches really profitable without the stress, without the overwhelm and without endless amounts of caffeine because trust me, Danielle and I have been there. So OLS is a 12-week program designed to walk you step-by-step through a successful launch of your online product or service. We want to help you take the guesswork out of sold-out launches so that you can spend more time moving the needle in your business and doing the things that you love. So if you're ready to have the biggest cash injection your business has ever had head to bossbabe.com forward slash ols and let's dive in a boss babe is unapologetically ambitious and paves the way for herself and other women to rise keep going and fighting on she is on a mission to be her best self in all areas it's just believing in yourself confidently stepping outside her comfort zone to create her own vision of success vision of success Welcome to the Boss Babe podcast, Raddy. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me on it. I genuinely feel so grateful and honored that you guys asked me. Well, listen, I feel like everyone needs a little bit more Raddy in their life because I am not joking (laughs) when I say 
If I am ever feeling down or a little bit blue, I just hop on your stories because you're just so bright and bubbly and like you never fail to make me smile. You're just such a warm personality. So thank you for bringing so much love and joy to so many. Thank you so much. And I genuinely feel the same about you. Every time I send you messages and you voice note me back, I just get a burst of energy. And I'm really <laughs> glad that you feel that way as well. other people happy so it's good (laughs) I love it and what I also love is that we are both Brits living in LA and so I'm super curious how you ended up here because from what I know about you you were pretty adamant about only living a mile away from your family (laughs) yet here you are god knows how many miles away so how did you end up in LA ready Yeah, so me and my husband, we got married in 2016. And that was when I was like to him, look, I really need to live really close to my mom and my sister, who both live three, four minutes away from each other. So we got a house in London. I was ready to like settle in. We had been there three weeks. We just started settling in. And he got a call saying that he basically had an opportunity that he could not pass up in New York. And so it was so funny because when he first told me and told my whole family, my whole family were crying. Like they didn't even care that they they cared that he had got the job and they were so happy. But the fact of me leaving and I'm the baby of the family, everyone was like so upset. And then probably like a week later, everybody came to terms with it. (laughs) And yeah, it was like a no brainer for me as much as I wanted to stay in London. His happiness and what he really wanted to do in life, it was such a selfless thing that he wanted to do. And in terms of helping other people in a wider way, way that I really couldn't say no he was you know if you want to stay we can come back every couple of weeks we can come back every like as often as you want but I just knew that it was an actual like a step I had to take and I'm just so happy that I took it because it really really helped me grow into a way that I never knew was possible if I stayed in my comfort zone which was in London a couple of minutes away from my mom and my sister who used to be the people that used to tell me how to do everything in life (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I rely on them for everything I think I never would have been able to push myself in a way that I had to when I moved to New York and then to LA. I love that that you're saying that because it is for so many so easy to stay in comfort zone and just be like yeah this is where I'm happy this is where I want to be but sometimes when you step out into that outside of that comfort zone that's when there's so much beauty and you really learn so much about yourself so I'm really curious what were some of the key things that you learn about yourself moving from London to New York Yeah, so I had to spend a lot of time by myself in New York because Jay was working. My Mm -hmm. husband Jay was working. So and I couldn't work in New York. And so it was me by myself. I really didn't know anybody in New York. He was working like nine to five, nine to six. And it was the first time in my life that I had to sit with myself constantly day in, day out and figure out what I was going to do because it's so easy to get wrapped up in a job. And actually, when I sat down to think about what I wanted to do, I realized that I was in a job that I didn't love. I was in a job that I wasn't happy in. It just made me realize so much about me in terms of the things that I didn't like about myself, the things that I liked about myself, the things that I felt were 
that I really needed to change and grow. And I did that by journaling a lot. I started off journaling because I was really unhappy at that time. I was really trying to figure out what do I have to offer to other people? And Mm. I found that really difficult because I felt like I was very average at a lot of things in life, but not great at anything. And then, but I realized that that was a lack of understanding of myself that was making me get to that conclusion. I hadn't spent the time to understand who I was to actually understand what I'm good at. And so if you don't spend time with yourself, like just like if you don't spend time with your partner, how can you fall in love with them? And so if I don't spend time with me, then how can I fall in love with myself and know what I have to love myself about so I can show other people that too? But it was hard. It took like tears. It took a whole lot of tears. It took a lot of understanding all the bad things about myself to understand what was good about myself too. So I feel like it was a good strip down of who I really was and just taking away the ego from it too and understanding who do I want to be and who am I right now and how do I get to that point from where I am now. I love that you said that, like falling in love with yourself. I think it's so important. And I really relate to what you were saying because I too have previously labeled myself as, I would always say like the heptathlete. I'm really good at a lot of things, but I yeah. don't really excel at one thing. And more recently, I've really learned that that's not the case. And it's around, yeah. like you say, sitting with yourself, understanding yourself, taking time and putting the effort into one journal about it. I also did, I don't know if you've ever done it, the exercise where you turn your page into to like four squares and then you say like what you're good at and you love doing and what oh, you yeah 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 yes, yeah yeah it's such a powerful exercise to really kind of sit with okay well what am I good at and what do I enjoy doing and what might I be good at but I actually hate doing and <laughs> what am I good at but I don't like doing and all these things and I just think it's really really powerful and sometimes people think that you find yourself in a place and you just happen to spud stumble across something that you love doing but actually it can really take a lot of work and a lot of effort to find that and so I think it's both interesting that we've been through that exactly and I think self-esteem actually we mistake sometimes us saying oh I think I've got really low self-esteem and when I used to meet people even if it was in work environments or having to go to events where there were lots of people who were doing things and I always felt so nervous and I always thought it was because of low self-esteem that's what I used to say I've got low self-esteem but then I realized after really spending time with myself and figuring out what I was good at that actually took away that feeling because I was like okay cool I love food I love talking about food I love talking about anything to do with it and so if I went to a party where there were even like lots and lots of intellectuals lots and lots of people who had so much knowledge about things I didn't I felt still confident going in and talking to one person about food in some way and that gave me confidence to have that conversation and so I feel really sometimes low self-esteem is what we think it is but it's just because we haven't figured out what we excel at or not even excel at what we love and what we really love sharing with other people and what part of us we adore and then we feel confident going out and sharing that with others and I think that sometimes mistaken is low self-esteem but I, I don't feel like it's that necessarily. No I agree I think this is a beautiful way to kind of segue into food because now you're building a whole career based around food but I really want to take you back to your childhood in London and we touched on it earlier being family being so important important to you and I know they've had a big impact on your studying of food your relationship with food and what food really means to you so I want you to start with your childhood and share some of those pieces yeah my family so I come from Indian background my grandparents were born in India but then my parents were born in Africa and so I had a really nice beautiful mix of cuisines as I was growing up my mum was an incredible cook and it's really beautiful when I grew up vegetarian also 
And so I had such a wide range of spices and like cuisines that I was brought up with. And it was just really special because I felt like I got a really good mix of having been brought up in London. I had a mix of Indian food, but then I also had a mix of Western food. And I grew up in that way. And so I um, really was inspired by Indian food, but I was also, we obviously loved like burgers and, and pizza, <laughs> all that stuff that I was given. And so I really enjoyed bringing those two pieces together when I create food now. And I feel like that's really, really molded the type of recipes that I create now. And I actually got into recipe development. I never expected myself to do this. This is never where I saw myself being, but I started studying nutrition and, and dietetics. And if I'm completely honest, the only reason I ended up going into that field was because I didn't have the grades to become a doctor, which is what I initially wanted to be. I wanted to be a pediatric doctor. I wanted to be a doctor for children. And that was pretty much my dream from when I was very, very young. And I just wasn't academic enough or I didn't put enough effort at that time. And I didn't get the grades to do that. And so the next thing that I heard about to do with the body that my mom actually heard about was becoming a nutritionist or dietitian. And so I decided to do that with not much knowledge of what I was going into. And once I did that, it kind of gave me the foundations. I then worked for the NHS. I worked at a hospital in London being a dietitian. But I felt like a lot of the things I was having to recommend and, yeah, the things I had to follow, they weren't really in line with how I felt about the body. I never really used medicine growing up. I, I really loved being in tune with nature. And so I really felt what nature provided us with has to be enough in our bodies for what we need. And so whenever I was prescribing certain things, I just felt a bit disaligned, like a bit unaligned with what I genuinely felt. And so when I left being a dietitian, I started studying Ayurveda. And Ayurveda is actually the most ancient health science that exists. It originates in India, but it is incredible. Ayur means life and Veda means knowledge. And so it's essentially the science of life. And what I really love about Ayurveda, as soon as I heard about it, I was like, this is exactly what I want to study. This feels so in tune with who I am. And it was because it talks about how every single body is completely individual. So in Western medicine, and I totally... I have nothing against Western medicine. I really believe that there's a place for it with the how far we've come with diagnosing and all the incredible medicines that have been created to help disorders and diseases. I totally, totally respect that. But at the same time, it says Western medicine tries to group everybody as one. If we have a cold, you have the same medicine that goes to each person. If you have the flu, same thing. And it just talks about how the bodies are so different, just like we all have genes, but our genetic makeup is so different in the same way, our composition. So it says that all of our bodies are made up of elements. And so it doesn't make sense for my elemental composition to be the same as yours because our bodies physically, mentally, emotionally, all so different. And so it really treats each person as an individual. And so how you would eat would be completely different to the way I eat naturally because our body type is so different. And so I really appreciated that about Ayurveda, how it's all based on an individual rather than just one medicine fits all or one food. If I eat this, then you should eat this. And that should make you feel healthy. And so healthy for Ayurveda is according to you. It doesn't mean that just because that person eats salad and salad is seen to be healthy, that that's going to suit your body. And so I fell in love with Ayurveda and I've been trying to follow it ever since and share information that I've learned. I did a course in it to become an Ayurvedic health counselor. And I found that so useful and it really, really resonated with me so much that I really enjoyed sharing about it and trying to incorporate Ayurveda into the recipes that I create too, just to help people live healthier, more nourished lives. <laughs> Let's take a minute to talk about one of my favorite educational platforms, Masterclass. 
I have been referring back to this platform for years and I love that you can simply log in and take inspirational classes from world-class coaches no matter where you are. If you haven't explored Masterclass yet, go to masterclass.com slash boss babe and scroll through some of the categories. I think you'll really love what you see. One of the latest classes I tuned into was Anna Winter's class on creativity and leadership. She takes you into her office as Vogue's editor-in-chief and it was so inspiring to learn about her leadership style, team culture, and how she encourages creativity in her team. Not only does Masterclass have tangible business development classes that you can watch at your desk or listen to on the go, but it also includes classes in 10 other categories ranging from food, home and lifestyle, music, wellness, design and so much more. There are over 200 classes to choose from with new classes added every month. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Plus, Every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash boss babe. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash boss babe, masterclass.com slash boss babe. The other day, the team and I were talking about how much our audience loves biohacking. And whenever we release content based around creating better habits for our lifestyle and health, you all seem to really soak it up and request more. So I wanted to share about our podcast sponsor, Prolon, today because I've never seen a company like this. Prolon is a revolutionary plant-based nutrition program that nourishes the body while making cells believe that they're fasting. There are so many strategic benefits to fasting and Prolon helps you hit these goals without actually needing to fast. Prolon's five-day program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all designed to keep your body in a fasted state. And you get everything pre-packaged, labeled, and ready to go, so there's no guesswork. It's super simple, and it works. Extended fasting of at least two to three days has proven to produce unique benefits like cellular rejuvenation, metabolic support, and increased cardiovascular health. So if you're ready for a fasting program that doesn't leave you hungry or exhausted and instead gives you more energy, I highly recommend giving Prolon a try. Right now, Prolon is offering Boss Babe podcast listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash boss babe. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash boss babe for this special offer. Prolonlife.com slash boss babe. Yes. I want to come on to your recipes soon because <laughs> honestly, you make my mouth water watching your stories and reading <laughs> your blog. <laughs> so with regards to Ayurveda, so I really understand as well, like what you're saying, because obviously I was a chiropractor and yeah. I completely agree in the sense that no one comes with a little manual, right? I think it's really interesting. Like <laughs> say when you're turning that computer on or you're building something like an Ikea desk at home, like it's the same for everybody. It's like the step by steps and it's going to have a way to exactly turn out but yeah. what I learned is my years of being a practitioner is that humans are not like this one thing might work for one person another thing might work for another so I really understand with what you're saying about the Ayurvedic principles around that so I'd like you to share you talk about the elements Ayurveda is made up of elements right is there five is that correct yeah so it's earth water fire ether and air mm-hmm. and every single thing in the world is actually composed of these elements we're all made up of elements air earth ether water and fire but the amounts in our body are just different depending on the person and so how it says it says that we should relate to the whole world in that way too so for example when we decide what we're eating 
if we are a body and to find out what your elemental composition is one there are quizzes you can do online but I always recommend going to a doctor because there are so many elements that takes into account one your personality to your body type from your nails to your skin type to your hair to the shape of your eyes it's such an intricate process there's even a diagnostic tool of listening to your pulse which tells you what constitution you are and it all all contributes towards it so i really recommend if anybody listening would want to find out exactly what their constitution is to try and find an ayurvedic doctor there are so many in every country so i'm sure they'll be able to find someone but for a baseline you'd be able to find out online for sure and yeah it's just every single thing is related so for example if i am made up of predominantly fire and air for example then we want to eat foods if you think of the qualities of fire and air fire is hot air is light just two qualities for example so then if i feel and i really tune into my body and i feel that i get maybe acid reflux or i have rosacea or i um get very heated i get very hot even in summer like compared to other people that may indicate to me that oh maybe i've got too much fire in my body and maybe i should have cooling foods because in ayurveda it's like increases like and so in that case i would need to be having cooling foods i'd be need to having because air is light i'd need to have earthing foods foods which are nourishing and heavier than for example salads which are light and cold and so it's really really beautiful when you end up understanding the elements essentially you can end up understanding a lot of the foods that you're having and on top of that it talks about how spices are i mean ayurveda talks about spices a lot spices are basically seen to be your medicine box and so spices each one has so many different incredible qualities that just adding them into foods that are difficult to digest actually ends up making them much easier to digest for your body and how you combine certain things can actually make a difference in whether you digest it well or don't and so the elements are the basics of ayurveda and really understanding that every single thing around you can be broken down into elements and so however it affects your senses so every single thing that you allow into your five senses has the ability to nourish your elements or help you align or throw you off a little bit too so yeah i hope that made sense no it makes perfect sense and on this podcast i always like to double down and ask a few more questions because i know that there's so many people are going to be listening to this and actually i've not really heard of about this much and this makes so much sense for me and actually this kind of will be why I don't like eating salads or I do like eating salads or how I feel when I eat certain food and so I want to just ask a few more questions about a couple of these areas so the first of all is spices so for me spices in western culture are really underutilized and what's the word like we're not as educated on them yeah And so I think like for me, I've been learning about the anti-inflammatory properties around turmeric and the stabilization of blood sugar, which comes from cinnamon, et cetera. I've really tried to incorporate those into my diet. So I'm curious as to like, if people are thinking about how can I incorporate spices to be better off my diet, what are some of the key spices that you're like, wow, these are ones you should definitely look at in your diet because they have so many medicinal properties. Yeah. So there are heating spices, there are cooling spices. And depending on your body type, you need one, like you would need some more than others. So it's also seasonal because let's say you're in a hot country or wherever you're living, if it's hot or cold, you would then know what spices to have. So if the place that you're in is cold, what you'd be looking for is heating spices. So heating spices are things like mustard seeds, ginger, all of those things will create warmth in the body. 
And mustard seeds are obviously more of an Indian spice, but you can add them into everything. It's got such a lovely flavor. And for example, if you're in a warm country, cooling spices would be things like coriander, fennel. What else is cooling? Cumin. And actually those three, coriander, cumin, and fennel in Ayurveda seem to be tree doshic, which means great for all types of bodies. Like every body type will react very well to cumin, coriander, and fennel. And what I usually do is make a spice mix of roasted cumin, roasted fennel, and roasted coriander and just blend it all up together. And I add that because it seemed to be balancing for all. So I always recommend if you want to try and incorporate spices, start off with coriander, cumin and fennel all together and just add it in. Like sometimes I put it into my teas, sometimes I'll put it into my curries. It's a very neutral spice mix that won't affect anybody negatively and shouldn't. So that's seen as like the queen trio of spices. I love it. And you just touched on them there. Um, you t- said the word um, try doshik and you're talking about the doshas, right? And yeah. they're what people, like you say, when you spoke about earlier being tested for, you end up finding, and I literally don't know what I'm talking about here, but my understanding is you find what dosha you are. Yes, the dosha is, is the same as constitution. So the English word for it is constitution. Uh, so your elemental constitution is also known in, in Sanskrit as dosha. Mm-hmm. And what are those ones? Oh, so there's kapha, which is a mix of water and earth, pitta, which is fire and air, and vata, which is air and ether. And depending on what you are made up of, mm-hmm. not only does it affect, I like, say, the foods that you should eat, etc., but it also does it affect your personality sometimes? Yeah, definitely. And just a note there, because I know a lot of people come to me and they're like, oh, I've been told I'm kapha or I've been told I'm pitta. And a lot of the time, what people forget is that you actually have all of these doshas in you because you have all the elements. It's just that some show up more and you're born with a certain constitution. And then depending on where you are in the world, depending on what's affecting you in your life, you can become imbalanced. And so really what we should be focusing on is what's your imbalances right now. That's what I always tell people. It's like, what's your imbalance right now? And that's what we should be treating. Your original constitution, what you were born with is yes, ideal. Like that's your ideal constitution. But what would be treated is what you are currently. And so sometimes people get a bit confused because they're usually told their original constitution, which is great, but it's not telling you right now what your imbalance is for you to treat. Even if I am a kapha body, I could have a pitta imbalance, which is fire. And so right now, because I'm in LA where it's a hot country, or if I go to a desert, it's going to be hot and it's going to be dry. And so at that time, I may have a pitta imbalance, which is fire. And so at that time, I will need to treat my body accordingly and have cooling things and have uh, moist things, cooling things. But that doesn't mean I have a pitta constitution. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. And yeah. What I'm really taking away is like how much just consciousness within one's body that we yes. can really have and being able to learn what suits us at different periods of our time. And I think for so many people, they just don't tap into their body. And like we started off right from the beginning of this podcast talking about the mind, right? And learning about yourself and your personality. And I love that this has naturally gone into learning out about your body and really learning about, okay, well, how am I feeling right now? Oh, yeah, you said about, you said about the mind, didn't you? Sorry, you were asking if it affects your mind. 
Yes, sorry, I didn't address that bit, but I can now. It does definitely affect your mind. And that's what's amazing about Ayurveda. It's mind, body, soul. It's Mm. really hard to harmonize all three. And so, for example, with like I talk about pitta imbalance because that's more predominant in summer, that can affect you. So if you've got too much fire in your body, think about the qualities of fire. When you say someone's fiery, what does that mean? It means they are a bit agitated or they get snappy quite easily or they're very, very determined, very sharp. That's essentially how I find fiery is described. Mm. And that's exactly it. So some people end up feeling when their pitta is imbalanced, their mood will change. They'll become fiery. They'll become agitated. They'll become a little bit aggressive because fire is aggressive. And in the same way, when it comes to digestion, for example, a pitta body, a fiery body has to eat on time. If they don't eat on time, their digestion is so fiery. Their digestive fire is so strong that they need to eat on time. If they don't, it will affect their mood. It will affect their mindset, it will affect everything. Whereas for me, for example, I'm a kapha body, which is earth and water predominantly. And so that means I have a lot more stability. And so I could not eat till 12 o'clock and I'm okay. I still feel very stable. I still feel very neutral in my mind because I'm earth and water, which is a lot more stable and stagnant rather than fire, which is moving and rapidly using up the energy in your body. Mm, this is so interesting. I'm going to ask a question. Yeah. You know, with astrology, and so we have, depending on what star sign you might be, you might be like you say, like a water one or an earth one. Is there a crossover here or not? I definitely think there is a crossover. I haven't really studied astrology in depth. And mm-hmm. so I just know it because I've grown up in an Indian family and astrology is like generally always talked about whether you're picking dates for like a wedding or Love picking it. dates for important things. But astrology comes from the Vedic tradition as well. And so does Ayurveda. And so I'm pretty sure there is, if the astrology is done right, you'll definitely see a lap of crossover between the two. Mm, yeah, it makes complete sense. Yeah. So we spoke earlier about, you said the core spices, coriander, cumin, and fennel, which you think is like really, really great for everybody. What are healing foods that no matter what type you are, these are foods that you should really incorporate into your diet? Yeah. So again, like I said, the spices, if you're including spices, I would definitely recommend starting with coriander, cumin, and fennel. They are great spices. You can find them pretty much in every store. So the first thing I always recommend is adding in spices into your diet and then just experiment as well with them. There are so many out there that you can try. Even herbs have their place too, but spices have the most potent like medicinal qualities. The other foods I would really recommend is in Ayurveda, it talks more about prana. Prana means vitality. And so it says that actually Prana is almost like the life force of whatever it is you're eating. So with plants, for example, when you're eating salads, if the salad has been there for three, four days since it's been picked and brought to you, the amount of prana is definitely reduced. Whereas basically the fresher you can eat, the better for your body because the vitality is stronger from the moment it's picked from the ground. And obviously we don't all grow our own vegetables at home or like our herbs at home. But the way that we can implement it in our life is microwaving food, reheating food, putting food into the fridge and then eating it. All of those things reduce the prana because you're changing the way that it's supposed to be in the world. Mm, makes sense. To be cooked and then put in the fridge and then eaten again. You're changing the way that it's made up. You're changing the way that its constitution is by changing its environment so often. And so actually the focus in Ayurveda is to do with 
high pranic foods, high foods with high vitality. Naturally, that means trying to avoid, and I know this is difficult because unfortunately, fresh food tends to be so much more expensive. And that ends up being a difficult factor too. But then it's like, okay, let's strip back to simplicity. Let's say you're cooking yourself rice and some lentils and some beans or some veggies. Just that meal, the combination of all of them would be so nourishing to you versus you having a burger out of the freezer. Mm. And so, yeah, it's honestly like it's so much more to do with how you eat rather than what you eat. I used to think in Ayurveda, it was like, oh, when I was younger and I hadn't really studied it, it was like, oh, this food is Ayurvedic. This food is Ayurvedic. And then I realized after studying it, actually every single thing is Ayurvedic. It's how we use it and it's when we use it. So it's all about tuning into our body. And I love what you said about tuning into our body because it's so true. In Ayurveda, what it says is like, don't trust in other people to constantly tell you what you should be eating, what you shouldn't be eating because the trends change all the time. First, avocado was like so good for you and then it's too fatty for you. And then coconut oil was good for you. And then it's like got high saturated fats and the trends are constantly changing with food. Okay, guys, before we continue, I'd love to give you some info on our sponsor for this week. Okay, so I just want to take a second to tell you about the sponsors of this episode because with Thanksgiving and Black Friday just around the corner, we recognize that it may look a little bit different this year. But there is still so much to be thankful for. And one of the conversations that I've been having a lot recently, which I've really been enjoying, is the fact that so many of you are growing your online businesses and you're actually hiring right now. So I wanted to take a moment to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs and how it can help because I have absolutely loved utilizing this platform. So basically, LinkedIn Jobs can help by matching your role with qualified candidates so you can find the right person for the job and fast. Now, the feature I absolutely love on LinkedIn jobs, and this is why I gravitate it to a lot, is that you can actually match a set of skills an applicant has to the set of skills that are most important for you when looking for the candidate. And this means that not only does it save you time, but it actually helps you find the right person for the role. Now, as you know, LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 706 million members worldwide. And it's starting to get easier than ever with these new features to find those qualified candidates quickly. So what I want to let you know is that you can post a job with targeted screening questions and they'll quickly get your role in front of more qualified candidates than so many other platforms. You can actually manage job posts and contact candidates from a single view as functions lead into one dashboard and they're all streamlined and you can just look at one simple screen. And now you can do this all from your mobile device too. So no matter where you are, it just makes it super easy to monitor those candidates and reach out. And that's how LinkedIn Jobs for me has helped me fire the right person on several occasions quicker and faster. So when your business is ready to make the next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs, you can set your budget as you want and you can actually get $50 off the first time you use it. Just visit linkedin.com forward slash boss babe. Okay. So again, that's linkedin.com forward slash boss babe and that will give you $50 off for your first job posting and just let you know terms and conditions apply but this is a deal not to be missed and we're back let's jump back into today's episode 
And so the best way to understand what you should be eating is by listening to your body when you're putting food into your mouth and when it's digesting, it should be a conscious, mindful practice. So when you're eating, understand, oh, is my digestion different today? Did my tummy not feel very good from eating this? Or did it make me feel warm in in my chest when I was eating it like ginger does? You can try it out with different spices taste the spice, feel it going into your throat, feel it going into your stomach. What's the post-digestive effect it's having in your body? Is it causing you to feel energized? When you eat pizza, for example, a lot of people talk about carb coma. Yes, because when you're eating white flour, it's been processed, it's been stripped away from its natural fibers. So when it goes into your body, it takes a long time for your body to digest it. So your body becomes sluggish. And so you're listening to your body and you're thinking, that didn't really go down well with me. It felt like it took such a long time to digest. Maybe I should have one slice and have a lot more fresh vegetables with it. And so I feel like it's so much more about tuning into your body, having foods with a lot of vitality in it. Fresh produce is always going to be so much more nourishing to you than food that you take out of the freezer or food that you've had leftovers for a long period. Also remember when you have leftovers, you're combining so many things together. You've combined them at that time. And at that point in time, they're at its highest value. You then put it in the fridge and they all end up Imagine them in your tummy. You're basically allowing all the acids to mix. You're allowing all of these foods that you don't usually get combined for this long to stay together for so long and then you eat it again. And so the value of it completely changes in your body. And people have digestive issues so much these days. And a lot of the time it's to do with those food combinations and it's to do with the quality of the food that they're eating. This is so interesting for me as well. So you're talking about quality of food as well. Let's talk about that because I feel like particularly coming from the UK to the US, I completely understand our food standards are different. And let's just talk about like, what we should be looking for when it comes to food quality, whether that be, you know, fresh or not. Sure. So I always say, obviously, fresh is best. But like I said, it's actually so unfortunate that fresh food ends up being so much more expensive. I do recommend if you are able to then go to a farmer's market or a market of some sort where it's coming. In LA, we're quite lucky. We have that opportunity to have farmer's market. In London, we don't really have that so much. But trying to go to the farmer's market and picking vegetables. Another thing is eating seasonally. That's something that really ends up throwing people's digestion off. If you think about it, our bodies are so in tune with nature. We have come from nature. Our elements are from nature. And so we have to live according to where we are. Our bodies are in tune with the season, with the weather changes. All of that is part and parcel of our digestion also. It can all affect it. And so whatever foods are grown in the soil of the place that we are living in, those are going to be most beneficial to us at that time. Because that's when it's got the, when foods are grown out of season, they are actually grown in an artificial environment. And so if they are being grown in an artificial environment, we are also eating them in an environment that is artificial to when it should be eaten. Did that make mm. sense? Yeah, completely. Yeah. And I'm also just even thinking about like, I love raspberries. And back in the yeah. UK, I used to want raspberries all year round. And so part of the year, they would literally come from, so they would come from Spain, right? And so yeah. how they got here, and then when you start looking into how food is stored as well on the shipments. Exactly. And now you're sharing about, is it called prana? You said earlier, but now you're sharing about prana. I'm like, oh, wow, the nutritional value of those raspberries out of 
season when they've been shipped so far must be so low compared to when I go to my grandmother's and pick them where she's growing them. And you know, you will be able to taste the difference too. I would mm. call mangoes, for example. When mangoes are brought out of season, one, they're sour, a lot sour. They're not as sweet as they are when they're in season because obviously naturally, like they need the natural sort, the best type of, okay, I'll give you an example, like tomatoes. Tomatoes grown here. I have so many, I used to have so many patients that used to tell me that they could go to Italy and eat the tomatoes that would be grown in the vines there. And they would have absolutely no issues with acidity there. They wouldn't get any acid reflux. They would be able to eat tomatoes every day for like the 10 days they were there. But then as soon as they would come back to America, or even sometimes come back to England, they would end up having such bad acidity. They cannot eat the tomatoes here. And that's either because they're grown in artificial environments, or they have been imported from somewhere else where our tummies are not climatized to the Mm. soil that they're growing it in. And so seasonal is so important. And yes, we may have cravings for other foods and we may want those other foods. And once in a while, it's fine. But the problem is these days, we're really eating out of season very, very often. And we're not looking at, again, what you said, where our foods have been sourced from. If they're constantly being sourced from countries that have a very different climate to ours and our seasons are very different, that's going to affect us. And then when I talk about, obviously, fresh sometimes is not accessible to all people. And so I feel in that case, I always say try and pick boxed over can because canned foods, no matter how hard they try, chemicals seep into especially liquid form so for example if you're buying beans there's liquid when you buy the beans it's so hard to create tins or cans that don't have some chemicals that seep into the beans and also if you think about it those beans have been on the shelf for so long and so they've had to add something in to preserve them Mm. which then ends up almost killing the prana that's in them anyway and so I always say if you do choose beans that are not fresh then I would really recommend getting boxed ones because at least they don't have the chemicals additional chemicals that are coming into them from the cans that usually have them so pick boxed over canned (laughs) I love this and this podcast is all around helping those listening to be their best selves and I really truly believe it I always say you can only be as successful as you're mentally and physically capable of being and I just think it's so important to be aware of these things. And even if you can't act on every single one of them, choosing what is an option for you. Like, oh, actually, do you know what? I'm going to be a bit more intentional about eating seasonally. I'm going to be a bit more intentionally about looking at where my food is coming from. Or I am (laughs) going to get some coriander, cumin and fennel and incorporate (laughs) that straight away into my diet. And I just think there's, there's so much power in looking at the fuel that you were putting into yourself. Like it's very easy for us to think about a car. Like think if you put, I'm trying to get this, yeah, it's diesel and a, we call it petrol in the UK. It's just called gas here, right? Yeah, exactly. And you mix that up and the car doesn't work. And it's the same, I think, for humans going, oh, I actually really need to think about what I run on best, what suits me best and what's going to help me get the best out of my body and nurture my body. And food is often seen as like a secondary, like I always say people, they're eating on the run. They're eating as just to make sure your body doesn't give in on you. You're eating. Like, doesn't matter what you're eating, you're just eating. You're not doing it mindfully. You're just running around and grabbing whatever you can. The problem with that is Ayurveda talks so much about mindful eating, conscious eating. And it's Mm. just a practice to help you also become mindful and conscious in every area of your life. When you're nourishing your body, you are nourishing it so that it's able to do all of those things you want to do. So, actually, it's one of the most important, vital practices to get right because if you don't nourish your body right you're not going to be able to work in the most efficient way you're not going to be able to contribute to your family in the most loving way there are so many factors that fueled from just nourishing your body 
And so mm. actually eating my, and a lot of the practices that Ayurveda recommends are things which we all do, like no TVs and try and eat without distractions. Really focus on, because if your mind's distracted, your body's distracted too. So all those, the digestion that's supposed to be happening in your body, it's allow yourself to focus on that. Allow yourself to sit with the food, appreciate. I always say do a prayer of gratitude before you eat. And I love doing this prayer of gratitude before I eat. It's going back to the farmer that's pick the food to the person that sold it to you in the store to the person that's cooked it for you to God to the universe to the sunshine to the rain that's grown it all of those things it's becoming more mindful about what you're putting into your body but also having gratitude for it and having gratitude for your body for accepting it and praying that it does nourish your body in the way that it's supposed to I love this because for a long time I did not consciously eat and I know your blog now is all around conscious cooking and conscious eating And I know that so many people listening also probably don't consciously eat. So basically what you're saying is, we'll talk about consciously eating first and I want to come back to consciously cooking, but it's about, like you say, before eating, like actually sitting down and looking at your food, thank you for where it's come from. And that process is then allowing your body to be prepared to receive it. Is that right? And what happens when you do that? Yeah. And actually, well, when you do that, so it's, if the first step of digestion, it says that's why food should be attractive. And it doesn't mean it has to be a gourmet meal, but it's, you have to engage all your senses in the process of eating. Just like if you want to be present in a certain situation, there's that practice of trying to engage all your senses in the moment to help you get back to your present moment. If your mind gets distracted in the same way, it says when you start eating, it has to be visually attractive. As soon as your eyes see the food, that's actually when your digestive juices start flowing. So your digestive juices need to be flowing before the food actually enters your stomach. It needs like a second to know that, okay, wait, food's Mm -hmm. coming. Otherwise it's hard to digest. And so it says that's why food should actually be attractive. And that doesn't mean it has to be like presented as a gourmet meal. What it means is, It needs to smell appetizing. It needs to have like different colors in it. It needs to look exciting. And you need to be attracted to the food for your digestion to work, first of all. So that's number one. Number two is one, slow eating, calming down when you're eating, Mm. slowly to allow your body to catch up with what you're shoveling down in your mouth. (laughs) Let it catch up, let it provide the juices and the digestive enzymes that are required to digest it properly. Because what actually ends up happening is, If we end up overeating, what happens is the food is not digested, which then means it stays in our stomach, which then means it ends up fermenting. And that's what usually causes a lot of post-digestive issues after you eat, like flatulence or cramps or your elimination Mm -hmm. ends up being off and and interesting. (laughs) And so, yeah, mindful eating starts from the moment you set eyes on the food but then it even goes back to when you're cooking we talk about soul food and we talk about food cooked with love from our mums and I talk about this a lot just because I've noticed such a difference for me and conscious cooking is all about infusing energy into the food and a lot of people feel like it sounds wishy-washy but it's like look there's been so many scientific evidence so many scientific experiments done where water has been played they've had water in two different rooms or three different rooms and they played different music like heavy metal music another or like music with a lot of um, negative energy and the other one was played classical music and another one was played like calming music and they saw a change in configuration of the molecules depending on the energy that was going towards depending on what type of song was being played and so when I read that I was like of course every single molecule is living whatever we are eating there are living cells in that 
And so whatever energy we are putting in and infusing into that food, our mind, whatever our mindset is while we're cooking, that's actually eaten and experienced and uh, that's what's nourishing that person. And so I always think about that because I'm like, actually, I have the ability when I'm cooking to not only nourish someone's body, but to be able to nourish their mind as well. And I think that's so beautiful. I have the ability to put so much love and energy into the food so that when they receive it, that has the opportunity to change their mindset and to change their like their mood or whatever it is. And there's so much power in that. I love that. And like the responsibility of that as well, I think it's yeah. just so many people don't even think about. And I think that's just like so beautiful. And you're so right with what you're saying around molecules. And mm. I think for some people, they're like, oh, like really? That doesn't even make sense. That's yeah. like mumbo jumbo. But actually when you start looking at, I'm a science girl. When you start looking at the science of it, you're like, exactly. wow, this is mind blowing that we don't even talk about this normally. This yeah. is mind blowing that actually this seems wild and far-fetched, but actually when you look at it and you come down to really understanding what everything is made up of, you really see the evidence of that. And I think it's really exactly. powerful. And I think it's sad in many ways that lots of cultures have lost the importance of food and the meaning of food and it's seen as like a survival survival traits and you have to just grab something whatever's going versus like oh I want to really nourish and give my body the best that it deserves exactly exactly totally I completely agree so I know that lots of people are going to be listening to this podcast there's going to be two types of people there's going to be one who are like wow oh my goodness I really want to know more about Ayurveda principles I don't find this overwhelming at all like I want to dive in I want to learn more and there's going to be the other category of people going oh my goodness this seems like a lot it seems very overwhelming I just want to pick up my burger and x y and z and so I really just want you to share a couple of just key things that make it like super bite-sized for everybody because I can pull them out of this, but I really feel like just coming from you, like saying it doesn't need to be daunting. There's a couple of key things that you can do that make a difference. I always Mm -hmm. think like you don't, and I felt like that in Ayurveda when I first started learning, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to implant all at the same time. And I failed miserably. (laughs) And so I really believe it's okay. Maybe one week you decide to add spices. Maybe the next week you decide to eat seasonally and you try that out like it can be very very small changes that you make and that actually will form more of a habit than you trying to add everything in at once but when I think about the key tips that I usually recommend to people and I feel like these are the most important so one was to add spices the second one is this is a new one but I feel like it's an easy principle to add in and you can get these on Amazon there's something called a tongue scraper do you use a tongue scraper I bought one because you recommended it in Puerto Rico (laughs) so good a vital ritual according to Ayurveda, we accumulate so many toxins on our tongues overnight. And actually, those toxins are being released for a reason. And so before you drink your coffee, before you drink your lemon water, make sure when you're brushing your teeth, even if you decide not to brush your teeth before you eat all those things, make sure you use your tongue scraper because you don't want to ingest those toxins that are trying to be released out of your body. And a tongue scraper is a must. The third one I would say is probably drinking warm water. I did speak to you about this as well. Mm, no but I heard it before so share 
So having ice cold water can really, really dampen your digestion. They say your digestion is like a digestive fire. And so having cold drinks regularly ends up dampening your digestion and making it so much harder. Your body's basically struggling to digest food, especially if you're eating it, drinking it with your food. You're diluting your digestive enzymes and you're also dampening the fire that digests. And so what I would say is try and incorporate more warm or hot water into your diet and avoid drinks that have ice in them too much like have your frappuccino once in a while but don't make that a consistent thing in your life really try and and i found one of our mutual friends she changed to warm water she had a lot of digestive issues and she actually changed one thing this one thing which was changing from cold water or ice water to having only hot drinks and she said to me how incredible like just that one change has changed her digestion so much she doesn't get stomach cramps in the same way anymore when after she eats like so many things but it's definitely been a proven thing that really helps many people eating seasonally was another one trying to stay in tune with nature And the other thing is trying to have gaps between your meals to allow your food to fully digest. And there's that thing about having, I know in a lot of Western diet recommendations, it says we should be having snacks in between our meals. But the way Ayurveda talks about it is, let's say we've eaten a large meal and our body starts the process of digesting it. If it's three quarters of the way of digesting it and then you throw some new stuff in there, it then focuses on the new stuff and forgets to digest the old stuff. And so our body ends up fermenting that food and ends up being toxins in our body. And so what it recommends is having at least three hours to four hour gap between our meals to allow our body to fully digest, fully absorb the nutrients from the foods before, and then we can start that process again. So that's something that I feel like many people aren't aware of, but it can also really help with digestion. I love them. Yeah. They are so good. And I also want you to share your new blog because on there are so many recipes that people can really utilize to get started with and yeah. learn a little bit more because I know I'm signed up to your newsletter and I'm always like, oh my goodness, like you send things out from like cookies to curries, like all the things. <laughs> I'm just I'm here for it all. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, my website is radidevlukia.co. So it's my name and then .co at the end. And I also have a YouTube channel hopefully launching next month where I'll be sharing the recipes and cooking them with everybody and showing them how they're made. So I'm really excited about that. I've been trying to film some recently and so I'm really, really excited to have that out so people can really see how the recipes are created too. But yeah, I share a lot of information on there, a lot of knowledge on my website about Ayurveda too and uh, really lovely recipes that are hopefully simple, but also include a lot of spices. So, so stock up on your spice cupboard before you get to my <laughs> website. <laughs> I love this. And thank you, Rally, for such an amazing interview. This has been so good. And I just know, like, like I said, we often focus on the business, but we aren't going to be successful unless we look after ourselves. And this is why doing this interview was so important for me. So thank you for coming in and sharing your knowledge and allowing people really to understand how they can take care of themselves when it comes to food and some simple changes that they can make. I know that there's going to be lots of people going, okay, right, I can do those five tips really easily. (laughs) So thank you so, so much. Thank you for being so loving with the way you ask questions. And I really appreciate it. You made me feel so comfortable. (laughs) And it was so lovely having this conversation with you. I'm so glad. Yay. So I just want to finish up by sharing that if you have any takeaways that you want to share with myself, Raddy, or the Boss Babe channel, please tag us and share them. Myself at Danielle Canty, tag at bossbabe.inc. And then Raddy, do you want to share yours? Uh, yeah, Raddy Devlukia. <laughs> I love it. Thank you.
If you loved this episode, please subscribe, download a few more and please leave us a review. I really want to hear what you enjoyed, what your main takeaways were and I also want to know what you want to hear us talk about next. To say thanks for leaving us a review, we'll send you a copy of The Boss Babe 25. The Boss Babe 25 is the 25 essential resources you need for personal and professional growth. It covers everything from our favorite rituals, books, and hacks. If you want a copy, just leave us a review, screenshot it, and send to podcast at bosswave.com. We will then email you a copy ASAP. And since we love Instagram, you can go to the hashtag the Boss Babe Podcast and find our latest post and leave a question in the comments. We love reading through the comments and we'll make sure to answer it on our next podcast.